Uh, page 6, uh, reading from Matthew 2, 1 through 18. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and came home to, and came and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, Where is the Christ? Where were the Christ was to be born? In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this was what the prophet was written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was born. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took his child and his mother, and his, and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said about through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. This is the word of the Lord. Continue our sermon series, our four-week Christmas sermon series. And uh, what we've been doing is kind of looking at the obscure characters in the Christmas story and how they uh, play a part in teaching us some uh, much-needed truth um, out of the Christmas account that we have in Scripture. Um, You know, we Christians must come across to much of the world, especially during the holiday season. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble for saying that instead of Christmas. But some of the most confused and mean people. I mean, think about it. We kind of hold on to this incomplete incomplete picture of Christmas. We have this very uh, cute act that the nativity scene has become for the so-called glory of God and right presentation of the gospel. Right, that is, with what is more often than not a a blue-eyed, blonde-haired mother and baby, a dark-headed or red-headed Irish or maybe some type of Saxon-looking dude as Joseph, some well-behaved Disney-like animals that neither smell of the barnyard stuff or or without those rude kind of loud snot and slobber-producing animal noises, and with them, the wise man. Will we avoid every type of civil right litigation because 
you know, we always get that one ethnic looking guy. He's a black man with hair too straight for black people to say, see, we were there. Or, or maybe he's an Asian looking guy who with a nose that's too long or too straight to be typically Chinese or Korean, and so shrouded in some sort of obscurity, the third wise man saves us from being called racist. In an attempt to stay the kings and rulers of everything religious or irreligious, we fight for a correctness that sometimes guts Christmas of its realness, of its dramatic gospel story. And for this issue, it's the Magi, the ones we've called wise men that I want to concentrate on. We, 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 we can actually blame them for starting the whole mess making even this first Christmas in Scripture the hardest Christmas for good religious people. You see, their presence in the Christmas story creates a big mess for the Jews, God's chosen people. I don't know why we refer to the Magi as wise men in this case, because at first glance, in their seeking the king of the Jews, they are not so savvy politically or socially. Just to be honest, they are following some vague spiritual intuition that's been confirmed by the bright supernatural star that appeared over the region. How do I explain this? They woke up one morning and their horoscope said there is a star in the east and they looked at it and it made sense and it said to them a king is born in Bethlehem or Jerusalem. Bethlehem and Jerusalem were about walking distance from each other, walking distance in their terms. You know, we got to have a car to get everywhere. Bethlehem was like a suburb of Jerusalem. It was the Ballantine of, of Jerusalem. And, and thus, when, when they saw the star, it's from afar, it was just over the greater metro Jerusalem area. And so some commentaries would suggest that, that they came in not knowing exactly where Jesus was until they pulled closer. Some commentaries even suggest that this group of magi, ambassadors from the east, most likely, some of them thought it was possibly they came to worship a newborn son of Herod or one of his nephews who was to become the king of the Jews since as the king of Judea Judea under the Roman Empire, Herod alone could call himself officially the king of the Jews. But even if it was for some new king they were looking for, their journey to Jerusalem was about coming to kiss the ring. They were coming to pay their respects. I mean, don't take the worship thing too far. They weren't coming to sing hymns. They weren't coming to church. It it was worship. It was according to an ancient belief in the spirituality of kingship. Not only that, for them in this time, It was the right thing to do. Now, here's where they were wise. It was the wise thing to do. 
considering the devastating, conquering nature of the Roman Empire, and combined with this, the cruel nature of the present king of the Jews, Herod. Herod, who had his wife strangled, his sons executed, a popular priest that was beginning to be more popular than he was. He had him, uh, he had come, you know how to, the story probably read the Jerusalem Times. Uh, young popular priest, uh, drowns in two inches of water. Um, it was, it was along those lines. And, 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 and he had actually, he put in the rules that when he died, all the nobles of the land were to be executed too. So that people would cry at his funeral. When they'd really be crying because all these people are dying. They, the Magi, were believing they were making proper homage to one. The king of the Jews, possibly another vassal puppet king of the Roman Empire. And thus, they were trying to do right by the next superpower, the next kingpin, the, the next big boss. I mean, the next Don Corleone, if you will, which would provide protection and mercy for their own countries in the now and future kingdom. And get this, they didn't hide their coming. Look with me at verse 3. It says here, um, I'm sorry, verse 2. And they asked the Magi, where is the one who's been born the king of the Jews? We saw a star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. Herod heard about it. I want to just give you a picture. These Magi probably came with this entourage that looked very Eastern. Maybe not so much like the Jews of the day. They weren't from around those parts. They rolled up. The only thing, I mean, when I begin to think about what it might look like as I was studying and reading, imagine coming to America. You remember the movie Eddie Murphy coming to America? And, and, and I can imagine the king of Zamunda showing up on the scene with, with, with this entourage, you know, and he's putting petals before him when he walks, and he's, he's, and these wise men, these magi are going into the, to, to the barber shops and grocery stores of the ghetto, walking in with their entourage and saying, hey, we want to know where is the king of the Jews being born? Their naive request. Their presence causes a, a social and political upheaval. I mean, they were going around town asking and looking very conspicuous. So it got back to Herod. Could you imagine the throne room of Herod when word had gotten back to him? He said, who, 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 in, in Bethlehem, in verse 4, it says, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. And then back in verse 3, it says, when Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. I could see him saying, now word is out these guys are walking around looking for the king of the Jews. I'm the king around here. Who is this guy? And I imagine, again, some really, you know, typical Disney movie where you got these priests in the back that are really afraid, maybe the tall, skinny one and the short one, and, and they're like, Master, the prophecy says that a Messiah 
is going to come. You can kind of see them kind of scared. They're disturbed. And, and the Messiah, when he, and it would be very well understood by Herod that the Messiah, which means this is he, he is the one who comes to kick the behind of cruel leaders like you. He's like one bad brother from the south side who is going to come stick it to the man. And of course, Herod, the man, uses the system to weed him out. And this didn't excite the Jews. They were fairly conservatives at the point. You know, they didn't want to mess. They didn't want any revolutionaries causing trouble. I can't remember what movie it is. Maybe it was once we were colored and they had all the brothers in jail after some right self. I mean, um, some civil rights march in the 60s. And you have the pastor there. Brothers, we just need to pray. And the other brothers, I'm tired of praying. Let's pick up some guns. Let's get some stuff done. Let, let, let's, let's, let's riot. Let's do something. And then you can kind of see that there's this whole group of people saying, brothers, forget about the Messiah. Let's just take it easy. And here come these wise men digging up some old stuff that's going to cause some new mess. And literally, all hell breaks loose when these magi don't return to Herod to tell him the location of the king of the Jews. He orders genocide. Verse 16 and 17 says this. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and, and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. He was coming to get Harrison and Clark, y'all. Because some wise men showed up asking questions. I mean, this is straight out Rosewood. Y'all saw Rosewood? Based on a true story of how this, this, uh, this white lady claimed that she was raped and she said a black man did it. And as soon as she said it, they were finding any Negro they could find on the street. He could be old, he could be limping. He could have no arms. He could have not been able to do anything. But their goal was to get rid. I mean, this is like the L.A. riots all over again with one one difference. The government is doing it. So it's legal. I mean, it's like, okay, let's find any white guy we can find and take him out because I'm just mad today. Herod just he went crazy. This is September 11th. Let's get and kill anyone who looks like Arabs. Let's treat him bad. Thousands, possibly thousands of infants and toddlers, I mean, are killed. And it all started with some well-meaning but somewhat politically misguided group of Eastern ambassadors coming in looking for the king of the Jews to worship him. But I can imagine, again, that, that, that scene when, when they're finding out about the king of the Jews, I can see the scribes in the back going, shh, be quiet. Don't start any mess. Hush. Quit asking about the king of the Jews. We know about the prophecy, but please don't let Herod know about it. Now, I'm taking you through the story in, on a very human level, but I want to take you to a place that is very familiar to us. When people are looking for truth or understanding, it is messy. 
and dangerous oftentimes. When you and I are looking for truth that we're unsure of, and there's only one way to do that haphazardly, we rock the boat. And the number one song for religious folk, as with the Jews during the birth of Jesus, is don't rock the boat, baby. Don't please don't tip the boat over. Reminds me of a movie Friday when Red came looking for his bike. The bully Devo stole his bike and his daddy drove him over there into the hood to get it. Knowing why? Just leave it alone. Buy another bike. But don't don't come asking questions. Hey, uh, hey, Debo. Um, remember that bike? Don't upset the bully. Quit asking questions. I don't care if it's right. I don't care if it is your bike. I don't care if you want truth. Please don't rock the boat. And then when he asked, when he asked Debo for his bike, it causes problems for the whole neighborhood. It just makes this bully mad. And look what happens here. And it's crazy. God orchestrates and calls. Now we'll get into calling in a minute. These so-called wise men to disturb the system, which in turn stirs up sinful tendencies and anger and death, death. And, and that's why the crusades continue today. The right wing versus the left wing crusade. When people assert their rights to journey spiritually or politically on our turf and possibly in our churches in God's country, let me tell you, war between people will be charged and led by those of us who see our personal control, which includes our religious hold on things that we have made sacred. We will fight and kill and treat each other very badly, even at Christmas time. What about this thing about anyone say Merry Christmas? You're going to leave your card at the front thing at Walmart, and walk out the door. What's that? Happy holidays. You can't say Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Forget y'all. What's that? What control has been lost so badly that the dignity and image that God has given people, you have a right to step on? Why do Christians sound more like Herod than Jesus at Christmas? Just push the button and see. You know the hot button. Same sex. I don't have to say same sex. Diversity, prayer, choice, war, Merry Christmas. <laughs> as a believer, and even more so as a pastor of this church, I just want to let you know. I'm saying this scarily too now. So that your questions may lead you to the truth. Let the confusion begin. In this place, among these people at Christ Central Church. Go ahead. Ask your question. I might not be able to answer it. Come with the knowledge you do have and know with the lifestyle and religious leanings that brought you here because the confusion and chaos and loss of control it may bring, as Herod learned, And we should know it will not end the reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. Contrary to popular belief, 
Jesus doesn't need to have his name in the title of some consumeristic holiday to survive as the king of kings. He doesn't need to have some pretty messed up image of him on front of a card and and, and these angels that look like supermodels. He does not need to have cashiers say Merry Christmas. He doesn't even need to be in a nativity scene. Don't you understand what child is this? He is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He doesn't need you to know it all. And to settle it all, take away the terms, the subjects, and the predicates. I mean, go ahead and bring deconstructionism. And I believe, as this story tells, he will fill it in as he sees fit. Because he is Jesus. Which means if the nativity scenes are are better yet the scriptures, because I don't necessarily believe that the, the wise men showed up, Jesus was already a little kid walking around, okay? I'm just letting us have the little nativity scene we got at home. Just just as an image to keep us going, all right? Uh, but that the celebration of his birth, this is going to come crazy, is a call for a multi-everything holiday. Oh, that's dangerous, Pastor. Oh. Look who comes to him. Not the Jews. Not the scribes who knew better. But the Magi, and I will tell you that if we wanted to clean up Christmas a bit for Jesus, if we wanted him to be little holy baby and make it holier and cleaner, we would not have the wise men on our lawns or on our fireplaces. Why? Because we forget to mention that these wise men were far from being good church folk. They were Zoroastrians, astrologists. They believe the stars could tell things, tell you things about yourself and your journey. They were magi, magicians. Their actions might have been wise uh, politically and spiritually, but spiritually according to their own spirituality, their version of it. And for all the Halloween is a devil's holiday people, you've got um, borderline witch-like, warlike, warlock-like people in the nativity scene. Surprise! It was not Christmas night. It was happy holidays for the Magi. I mean, anywhere from Persia or India or Egypt, some of these Magi taught the future resurrection of men to a deathless existence. Some formed cast of priests called shamans and were skilled in oniromancy, astrology, astronomy, and magic. As ancient mystics, get this, they believed in the possibility of union with the divine nature by means of ecstatic contemplation. They relied on spiritual intuition. Well, I'm just feeling, I'm feeling this thing. As a means of acquiring knowledge of mysteries inaccessible to the understanding. All right? How can I put this? in a good black southern colloquial way. They was fool. Some of y'all might say they were weird. Or what the proper might call, they were pagan. Which if you go to the white light web page where it led me when I was doing my study, 
the white light web, web page had the most information on the magi apart from phd papers i read but the white light is like this prepper for white magic and they consider paganism not a bad thing i could imagine along with the gold frankincense and myrrh these guys rolled up with like these astrological tattoos on their face so I'm looking at some of the old stuff, the sketches. I mean, these these guys rolled up possibly like these miniature, uh, 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 um, what, what do you call it, crystal balls. They call looking glasses. They had all kind of talisman on them, all kind of rabbit foot stuff. You know, stuff that I got the good luck. I'm touching it. I'm feeling it. They possibly had uh, perfumed and arrayed and offensive religious ways to the Jews they were visiting. They were Aladdin-looking brothers, okay? Some of the Magi helped the book write the Book of the Dead. Remember the mommy movie? Don't open the Book of the Dead. That were the Egyptian Magi. Yeah, they were the first brothers to wear dreads, but they believed in some spiritual property of hair connecting them to... To some of them, their music was spiritual. It wasn't just entertainment, y'all. They probably smelled of Boca burgers and tofu and yogurt. <laughs> they were mystic travelers. They were intuit- intuitive spiritualists, what some might call religious vagabonds, gypsies, multicultural to the nth degree, ethnically and spiritually so. They were true eclectic community. They were real bohemians, at least spiritually speaking in the context of the Bible. And it's like kind of reading this, I'm kind of, well, you know the musical rent that eventually became the movie rent. It's a song. La Vie Boheme. I hope I said that right, because I, you know, I took Spanish. And Kelly trying to tell me, you better say it this way, or it might mean something else, so I'm just being careful. But there's a song, La Vie Bohemian, it says this. This is the Bohemian folk talking to the man, to the establishment. Today's of inspiration, playing hooky, making something out of nothing, the need to express, to communicate, to going against the grain, Going insane, going mad to loving tension, no pension to more than one dimension, to starving for attention and hating convention, hating pretension, not to mention, of course, hating dear old mom and dad, to riding your bike midday past the three-piece suits, to fruits, to no absolutes, to absolute, to choice, to the village voice, to any passing fad, to being an us for once instead of them. To handcrafted beers made in local breweries, to yoga, yogurt, rice and beans and, and cheese, to leather, uh, to huevos rancheros and Maya Angelou. Emotion and devotion to causing a commotion, creation, vacation, compassion to fashion, to passion when it's new, to anything taboo. Ginsburg, Dylan, Cunningham and Cage, Lenny Bruce, Langston Hayes. Langston Hughes, to Buddha, Pablo Neruda, too. Why Dorothy and Toto went over the rainbow? To blow off Auntie M. <laughs> Bisexuals, trisexuals, homo sapiens, 
carcinogens, hallucinogens, men, Pee Wee Herman, German wine, turpentine, Gertrude Stein, Antonioni, Bertolucci, Kurosawa, Carmina Burana, those are little independent film people, y'all. I had to ask one of my film person, people who they were. And I went and checked, make sure they weren't putting out nothing. You know, pastor said, this name, I'm going to go rent those movies. Don't, don't, and I'm saying that. To apathy, to entropy, to empathy, to no shame, never playing the fame game. And some might think, yeah, I've gone a little extreme in calling the Magi bohemian. Well, if I could only share with you all that I researched about the countries and cultures these magi could have possibly been from, it would make modern-day bohemians look like Father Knows Best. And there is no indication they left believing in Jesus and got saved. So as good Presbyterian, as a good Presbyterian believing in the sovereignty of God, believing he wanted and invited them, what was God thinking? He messed it up. When I did my research, I was expecting to find, well, the Magi, you know, they were God-fearers, and um, they, they came because they really wanted to get saved. No, it wasn't like that. What was God doing? Why did he mess up his own nativity scene for all ages? I mean, God has opened the door to a mess, to a multicultural, multi-ethnic, to what to are some scary words, like diversity and religious tolerance. What is Jesus doing? Maybe our nativity scenes need to be redeemed and teach us in a new light that Christmas is not about being right or having all the right people saying and doing all the right things around Jesus. The Magi's presence teaches us and tells us from Scripture that Christmas, the coming of Jesus, is about his work as the Messiah to redeem the the world from its sin and evil, drawing people out of darkness into his light. As if we didn't have enough, back to the evil practices of the Magi for a minute. Evil, according to what the Old Testament say, not supposed to be doing the star thing and all that stuff, okay? Two things were key to their story. The Magi practiced and believed in two very, okay, the Bible say don't do them pagan things astrology magic stuff and oniromancy astrology is the belief that the stars and said things and directed their lives and oniromancy is the belief that dreams were portents for the gods that that there was some way for the gods whatever how many you had or angelic beings or or maybe some family member that died can come to you and dream and talk to you now let me tell you they didn't get those things from sunday school no, their pagan religion taught it to them. And all they knew was the star says a king is there and a dream said don't go back to Herod about Jesus so that he would not be killed. Two pagan things, I'm telling you. God used, communicated, dare I say it, gave these non-Jew pagan guiding principles. He gave guiding stars to lead them to be in the presence of the truth. He drew them in a way that he alone could. No Christian here would have thought, yeah, have them believe in some ancient, ancient astrological theory, see a star, believe it, go, and then depend on the ability to channel truth through dreams to come to and serve Jesus. No, none of us come up with that. No, man. We want people to come down the aisle. 
out crying and weeping without question, burning their CDs and books because they've seen the truth of their evil ways. And yes, repentance is the cornerstone of coming to Jesus. I'm not saying that it isn't, but our Lord, the Christ, the Lord Jesus draws people to one truth, to one person, to one place of peace, to one hope, to one salvation through a myriad of questions and journeys and experiences in search of something. Just because we see a star. Because we are touched by a truth that may be altogether unorthodox from our perspective, but bringing and being used for redemption from God's perspective. Because he's God. Okay, we forget. Jesus is God. He came to help you. He didn't come so that he you would have to help him. In this way, again, surprise. We in this room, as well as everybody in the world, are all magi in some way. How? We follow a star of community. Half of y'all here because of community. In our loneliness. We believe what was a dream to us in the spoken word of God. What we heard about this dream concept of love and peace and joy and freedom and redemption and righteousness and unconditional love. We actually believe this dream of having a father that will never leave us or forsake us and never walk out on us. We had this dream of finally being sexually fulfilled and healed or this dream of being seen and heard and known. And then we had this crazy intuitive notion or feeling of a need to have an intimate union with the creator we kind of knew was there even though we didn't know his exact name. Even those of us I would call conservatives. You followed the star family values. You didn't want to have a family like the one you came up in. You heard this guy, you know, maybe Dobson or somebody like that. I'm not cutting on him. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just giving you an idea. And you, man, family values is pretty good. You know, Eternal 700 Club. Look at this guy, Pat Wright. He got it together. Eternal some other preacher. Man, woo. I want that. Now, hear what I'm saying. 100% of you came to Christ in some sort of unorthodox way or reason. You just wanted to look good. You just wanted to be righteous. Some of you came because you, you saw the star of disciplined living. It fits me. The star of absolute truth. I can have that and know that in myself. The star of knowing. I can know it all. You believe the dreams of prosperity. You followed the what sounded like the American dream. The dream of what seemed to you to be the passage to being the perfect mom or the perfect dad or the perfect husband and the perfect wife. You listened to what sounded like the dream of being a good person. And guess what? All that pagan-based stuff God used to lead you to a king who would truly love you and redeem you. And for more many of the, it, many it is, and it was, we, happy holidays that drew you in. Food and gifts and goodwill 
and those nice lights and Christmas trees and sounds. And God was pleased to send you happy holiday cards without any nativity scene so that one day, just maybe, you would find your place in the scene yourself. But not just checking him out, but for real, bowing your knee and heart and life to the God who allows you to come with questions, who rather comes for the ones with questions and confusions and eclecticisms and thoughts of ultra-conservatism. He comes to people who have this concept of a utopian world of bohemia or bushemia. <laughs> that like the Magi in our story, in Scripture, yes, the world is who Jesus wants look who he draws the sexually unsure or sure would know guess what you are the person and kind of person Jesus came to talk to to discuss the ins and outs of what you believe and why yes you all face lead to the same place person Jesus isn't Beyond you. To even at this time be in his presence, in his house, among his people. That yes, you, the one rejected for being too pagan, too tattooed, too wild-haired, too unconventional. To you who have fooled yourself into thinking you were morally good enough to be okay by him. Who really look as cute as those barn animals, but smell the same. He wants you to hang out. He wants to present the truth of who he is through scripture, through the sacraments, through the fellowship of his people. He calls us to that. Jesus kind of has a new nativity scene now. He surrounds himself in a nativity scene which is transformed into a bohemian ghetto of which he becomes the, the draw, the draw to himself and possibly and surely to be their Lord to be their eternal lover, to be their life partner, to be their ecstasy, to be their prosperity, to be their order, to be their music, to be their righteousness, to be their jazz, to be their hip-hop, to be their Lord, to be their Savior, because He is powerful and loving and has come to call people from every way in every life To one hope, himself. Who is this child? He's the king. And he says, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Come to me, all ye who are heavy laden with questions. And confusions and spiritual journeys that don't look like it fit all those righteous people around you. He alone gives you rest. Let's pray. Lord, half of us think we know where we are, but we have no idea. You alone know how to find us in our journey. You know, you alone know how to reach us in our questions. 
Lord, we pray that Your Word, Your sacraments, Your fellowship of Your saints, Your grace would reach those of us who are altogether unorthodox, even in our attempts to be moral and right. Lord, help us to see that you came to be the Savior. Not the guy who needed to get the votes of all the righteous. That you came as the righteous king, a Savior of sinners. And for that, we give you praise this holiday Christmas season. In your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.